Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market jewelry isn't a gift you give just once it's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Before we pop our corks, can I ask you a huge favour? If you don't already follow us, would you hit the follow button and give us a follow? You see the three little dots at the top right hand of your screen? Just tap that, hit the follow show tab. It's the first on the drop down menu. And ta-da, that means two things. One, you're never going to miss an episode. And two, it really does help us to bring you the very best guests there are out there. Speaking of which, on with the show. And welcome to White Wine Question Time, the podcast that asks its guests three thought-provoking questions over three glasses of wine. And my guest this week is an English actress who's been a star of the big and small screen for over 20 years now, having starred alongside genuine screen legends like Lauren Bacall, Angelica Houston, Rupert Everett, Claire Danes and Jeremy Piven. And yet, all the while, managing to maintain a very quiet life. Born and raised in Orpington in Kent, she discovered a passion for acting after her neighbours introduced her to amateur theatre at the age of 12. Gripped by the arts, she went on to study at London's Central School of Drama and literally, just days after graduating, started shooting on her first film. It was called Stage Beauty. She played Nell Gwynn opposite Rupert Everett, Claire Danes and Piddy Crudup. Her success continued with roles on shows like Survivors, Rules of the Game, Demons, Liar and Mr Selfridge. But it was in 2021, with the Netflix sci-fi drama The One, that she gained international success. Whilst being a very familiar face on our TV screens, her work also extends to the theatre, where she starred in the West End, as well as appearing in Othello at Shakespeare's Globe. In 2008, she married her husband, fellow actor Oliver Dimsdale, and their parents to Ava, who's 12, and Otto, who's 8. And now we're about to see her back on our screens as she returns for the third season of ITV's crime thriller Grace alongside John Sim in the adaptation of the Peter James novels. I can't wait to talk to her. 
I'll tell you why when she says hello. It's Zoe Tapper. Hello. Oh, how lovely. My goodness me. That's like a... Uh, this is your life in condensed into 30 seconds. How wonderful. I thank goodness I've actually done some things. I was thinking, what have I actually done in my life? <laughs> I have. Great. You know, this is so exciting, Zoe, because literally when, when the call came to me to say, would you like to have Zoe Tapper on the podcast? Both myself and Maria, the producer of this show, went, oh, yeah, we know Zoe. And of course, <laughs> we don't. And yet we do. Because oh. we've spent lockdown together. Every day we spent an hour together in lockdown. And uh, will you explain how... But this is so exciting to see your actual face. <laughs> there is a there is a very um, special club that we are a part of, and it is the Sort Your Fit Out Club, run by the magnificent Richie Swan. And yes, I came across it in lockdown. I um I like you know half the population grew a little bit softer over lockdown. And um, and I think it was like, you know, the final lockdown when I just couldn't drink any more wine, couldn't eat any more crisps. I thought I might have to do something about it. And uh, and I saw, um, it was actually Tams Nowthwaite's post, I think, yeah. um, on Instagram, um, posting this online um, class that she was doing. And I thought, oh, that looks okay. Perhaps I can do that. So it, it was a short class, 40 minutes. Maybe I can drag my sorry ass out, out, out of the sofa. And so I did. I joined Richie's class and I have not looked back. I do it, you know, I try and do it as often as I can. It's a brilliant online live class. And yeah, I've, I've stuck to it, which I never do. I hate exercise. So it's, um, it's been revelatory, actually. Yeah. Shall I explain to you how I know Richie? Yes. Go on then. So I know Richie because I met him at Heidi Range's Hen Weekend, where <laughs> he was a, a, a one of her best friends because he used to work up on check-in for EasyJet at Liverpool Airport, John Lennon Airport, with her sister, right? He was also a part-time butler in the buff. I know this about him. I know this and I love it. It couldn't be more perfect. What an amazing butler in the buff, I bet he he was. And so when he started in lockdown, said, I'm going to do these Rich's Kitchen. Um, we set up this WhatsApp group, um, me and my mates. So me, Heidi, got Tamsin involved, you know, Emma Bunton, lots and lots of people that people might whose name they might recognize uh, as well as all of our other mates you know and just yeah, think yeah. That we're all doing this every day at 10 a.m we log on and it's a way for us all to be together and literally offset the wine that we're now drinking come <laughs> sort of like the five o'clock press briefings onwards um and that's how it all began and i loved it and it was a reason to get up every day it was a reason to be somewhere on time yeah it, it is, and it, it was that sense of community when you felt like you were losing your community. But it was also, I mean, he's the genius behind it, isn't he? Because it's he's got such an infectious personality, and it's you know, he, and by the way, anyone can join. It's not just like yeah. some sort of secret members club. No, it isn't. It's like I think it sends the right message as well. It's not about just going, let's lose a few pounds. It's actually about going, let's start our day as we mean to go on. Let's be positive. Let's be body positive. Let's be mind positive. And, it, yeah. and I, I've, I've sort of become addicted to it. It's sort of an addiction Same. now because it's a little burst of exercise, you know, as many times as I can do it. And 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 he gives me a pep talk, and I and I I leave the class thinking, oh, I can do anything. I can achieve anything. He's he's wonderful. You should all join. You should all join. You should all. But what I do remember in lockdown when your Netflix show, the most watched show, is called The One. Uh, on Netflix and I remember us all kind of scrabbling to post comments on the live going well done Zoe <laughs> it was like, so here we are meeting for the first time and you've not even met Richie in real life have you 
I've not met Richie in real life. I have been on his podcast um, during lockdown. I think when I was doing the one, he got me on his podcast. But I'm sure we will meet at some stage. Perhaps we will all meet at some stage Absolutely. in the flesh. I'd love that. Yeah, I would be so, so lovely. love that. Uh, because we have, you know, even within the group on Sort Your Fit Out, um, there are friends that we have in common. Um, and last night I sat and watched the brand new, I was very lucky to get a preview of the new season of Grace. Yes. Oh my God, it scared the bejesus out of me. Uh, to the point that I did that thing of like walking upstairs last night, checking all the rooms were empty and there was nobody in a gas mask under my bed. Well, listen, I don't even really watch it when it goes out because even though I've been in them and I know the stories and I've read the scripts, I, I can't watch them either. They're really scary, aren't they? I'm no good with anything that, is, is sort of potentially hiding and ready to jump out at you. So, uh, no, I, you know, they, they're dark. They're, they're dark and they're gripping. They're film, they're, they're kind of feature length. They're 90 minutes, aren't they? They're not, it's not, you know, it's not um, a sort of Midsummer's Murder vibe where everything's sewn up neatly in an hour. It's no. 90 minutes, you're on the edge of your seat. And you're playing the, you're playing the love interest of John Sims. And yet his lovely wife, Kate McGowan, is also in Sort Your Fit Out. <laughs> She's all one the of best our people are. All the best people are. What can I say? <laughs> I know. I know. We're all connected now. It's, it's what is it? Um, six degrees of SIFO. That's what we should all be called. That's what we call it, yeah. Because <laughs> they've, they've moved down to Brighton, haven't they? They have, the, yes. Is, is it for this show? Because John's always kind of shooting. Yeah, I don't know if they actually moved for the show. I think it was a sort of serendipitous um, happenstance that um, that occurred. I think he filmed the first series, which I wasn't a part of, and then and then um, and then I think they were already planning to move down there. So he then moved down, and and you know how lovely he gets to roll out Ben onto set, which is dreamy. And it is a nice part of the world, isn't it? It's lovely, and every time I go to Brighton, it feels. Uh, part of me goes, I really want to go and live there now. And and I think John Sim is trying to encourage the entire cast to actually do that. Um, <laughs> my my home is very much in London and I and I, you know, and I, I'm I'm a born and bred London girl, but um but I have to say, I'm I shouldn't say this, but it does feel like a bit of a holiday when I go down there because I get to just <laughs> pop down to Brighton for a few days, stay in a hotel on my own, which is blissful you know I've got two young children at home it sometimes feels quite nice to escape and be by the sea and then go and film do a lovely job with wonderful people and um yeah it's a treat it's a real treat it's a it's a really big show as well isn't it Grace I mean this is your big blockbuster nine o'clock you know lead dramas yeah it Uh, is yeah it uh, I think yeah I think it's I don't really keep abreast of all the sort of um, ratings and things. But I know that ITV are very happy with it. And I think it's, you know, up there with one of their sort of top watch shows. And um, and I think it's I think it's a, a bit of um, it, gold dust, really, because they're based right. on the Peter James books. And, so good. Um, and so Peter James obviously has an enormous fan base from the off. Um, so we just had to just not mess it up really we we already knew they were going to be successful people love those books they they read them in their droves and so we just had to honor them and do it the best that we could and and that was a daunting prospect because I think um I think you know for people who do love the books they all had a an idea of who these characters were already and we had to sort of slightly change their minds and and then sort of find them ourselves but uh, I hope I hope they they've warmed to us oh they're so good to the point that I watched the first one not last night the night before the preview of season three and then I went back okay. and started from the very beginning last night um how did you and I got as far as you coming along chopping up bodies and then frankly 
getting all smidge coochie with John. <laughs> I know. She works quite quickly, old Cleo Maury. She doesn't hang around. She muck about, does she? she One she minute knows she's what she dissecting a dead body. The next minute she's literally getting I a know. freak on. Well, I know. I mean, she, you know, she, she gets her man in her sights and she goes for it. So um, good on her. <laughs> now, for the purposes of today's uh, podcast, uh, for this episode, I've tried to devise three questions for you, all of which brings me really nicely to my first question. Shall we? Okay. Now, as I've mentioned, you and I have actually never met in person. And yet, I feel like we've had a shared experience because we lived through quite a monumental moment in our lives and history when we came together to work out in lockdown online. It was arguably the strangest of times and a connection which bonded all of us in that group. But I wondered where else in life if you built connections with people in the most unlikely of places? Um... It's interesting, isn't it? Because um, the mainstay of my career, my my job is a is is a world where I meet, you know, a hundred new people every time I, yeah. I start a new job, um, and and so in some respects, that that I suppose that makes me think that that's the obvious answer to go. You know, I, I meet these people. Um, you fall very quickly into friendships. Um, with with people you've never met before and and in situations that you've never been in before, but probably in a more sort of meaningful way, in some respects, for me, um, the community that I've found um, that's had a sort of a different sort of impact on my life has been um, around um, my campaigns to do with with mental health and mental maternal mental illness, actually. Um, and that that all stems from my experiences as a mother and my experiences with maternal mental illness as a mother, um, and so and that's kind of led me in a, into a really unexpected direction that I never could have foreseen, um, and and it's also a direction that for a long time I wasn't comfortable talking about at all. Yeah. And now I really love to talk about because it it's it's something that I feel really really passionately about so um so yes just to give you a little bit of a a backdrop um to that um when I had my daughter almost 12 years ago um I almost immediately post birth had crippling um postnatal depression and at the time 12 years ago that's so hard I know it is it is really hard really really tough and and so many women go through it and at that time, even 12 years ago, it wasn't something that anybody really talked about and um, and certainly wasn't something I was aware of or had any sort of thoughts about. I was so ready to be a mum and I was so geared up for it. I had a, a, a wonderful support system. And so it hit me like a sledgehammer. Um, and, and I, and I couldn't actually access the help that I needed at all. And, um, so by hook or by crook, I got better, but I didn't really recover from it properly psychologically, um, because I couldn't talk about it. I couldn't really express it. I couldn't really, I didn't have a forum to do it in and I didn't have the people supporting me that I needed to sort of work through those very complicated feelings. Um, and then I found an organization called Mum's Aid. It was a local organisation, a brilliant woman, um, a saint, an angel called Miriam Donaghy who runs it. And she was doing, at that point, she was at quite a low ebb herself. She'd hurt her back. She had been trying to forge forward with this um, organisation that was supporting women with maternal mental illness. Um, 
she'd recognised the dearth in support for those women, but she couldn't get the funding, she couldn't get the help, she couldn't get the anybody to talk about it. Um, and at the time, you know, I was a, a new mum. I had had sort of physically recovered from my experiences of um, of postnatal depression, but I was I was probably still not, you know, my true sort of vibrant full self and mm. but I just felt like I wanted to find people that I could talk to about it and she um I said to her look I'll do anything I'll volunteer I'll you know hand out flyers what can I do let give me a purpose give me something to because I just feel I felt so strongly that if I was suffering from this and with all the people who supported me around me there must be other women out there who didn't have that support and were, were on their own um and so we um we actually, it was what was fundamentally obvious was that we needed money to kind of set this business really and this organisation going and, and actually to to employ the people that we needed to employ. So we um, started writing grants and bids um, and we proposed a bid for children in need um, because we reasoned that, it, you know, this this was a directly, this had directly affected children. If, if the mother's not well... Yeah, um, and and is unable to look after the child to the best of their abilities, then it has a, a direct impact on on children. And so brilliantly, children in need um, recognised this and gave us some funding, and not just some funding, but they they really sort of covered all of the expenses that we needed to run the organisation. And and wow. for, for a, a prolonged period of time, I think it was it was going to be reviewed after three years. And so you know, I don't take. The credit for that, Miriam, absolutely spearheaded all of it. But I just sort of, you know, helped write the grant and kind of supported her. And then slowly but surely, it has grown and grown and grown and grown, this organisation. Um, and is now a wonderful resource. And, and particularly in lockdown, actually, it became, it was, it, it, it grew even bigger because at first it was just a very much a London-centric organisation. And, and then through lockdown, when you could actually start reaching out to people online, it, it became a sort of nationwide thing. And they provide um, free counselling um, services, free psychotherapy, peer the support groups. Um, we now run a, there's now a, a, a sort of sister group called Young Mums Aid, which specifically um, supports young women with mental health difficulties after birth and during pregnancy. And it's, and it's, and it's a brilliant, brilliant organisation. And and actually, funnily enough, or not funnily enough, um, when I had my second child, little Otto, um, I, I, it all happened again to me. I had another dreadful, oh, dreadful bout of postnatal depression again, which was, you know, just as bad and just as, you know, debilitating. But at least I had knowledge is power. And at least yeah. at that point, I had the knowledge at my fingertips and I knew who to turn to. I knew where to go and I knew that I would recover from it. Um, and, you know, and ever since then, and I recovered from that and I did and I've thrived ever since and I've got wonderful children and I love being a mom. And it's but in terms going back to your original question, in terms of finding that sort of community, that unexpected community, um, that really probably um, is, is, is that community for me. What a lifeline for women that are so um, held hostage by the hormonal shift that occurs at a time like that, where yeah. you can sit and look at your life really intelligently and go, why Why am I not happy? Everything's yeah. fine. I've got a great support network. My baby's healthy. Yeah. It makes no sense. And that's the hardest no. part. Can I, can I ask, how did you recover from that? Because um, I think other women would find that so helpful. And yeah. we've had other guests on the show, like Kate Lawler um, and Denise Welsh, sharing 
very similar experiences mm. uh, with, you know, for Denise, it developed into clinical depression. For Kate, it was something that she was able to recover from, you know, without it becoming clinical depression. Mm. Everybody's experience is different, I guess. Every experience is different. And I think, it, and that's what's so difficult um, for people to understand sometimes, because I think it's such a mixture of circumstance, psychological, chemical, physical yeah. things that all kind of come together. And then, so there's no one, you know, I thought second time round, there was no way I was going to get it again. In fact, some mm. uh, I spoke to um, one sort of mental health expert who told me, I'm 90% convinced you're not going to get it again. Because by the second time I was, you know, I had everything in place. I had the mental health team behind me. I, I'd given everybody warning. I was going to do this and this and this differently. And of course... It, again, it was very quick. It wasn't a sort of some some women. It takes a long time. It sort of slowly mm. builds and they build and they and they realise that they've not been happy for a long time and they're not coping. Whereas mine was literally two weeks after birth. I'm suddenly like a zombie on the sofa. I oh, mean, wow. it was so extraordinary. Um, and this was coming from somebody who hadn't really experienced any kind of mental health difficulties in the past. Um, and and it is a particularly bitter pill to swallow because you are we are led as a society and as women to believe that we are going to be at our happiest in in those early years with with babies and and that motherhood is the ultimate you know um the ultimate quest and and we're going to enjoy it more than anything else in our lives and and when you can't fulfill that or you you feel like a failure and you feel like you're less than and you're not a good mother and and it's you know it's a terrible sort of self-flagellating kind of experience yeah. um in terms of how I got over it or how I, I recovered the first time around, not well, because as I said, I didn't get the right help. And so I just, I saw um, a very kind GP who was very nice to me, but didn't have the, um, didn't have the specific knowledge that, that I needed to kind of support me through it. So I just took the medication. I took the pills, which I'm an advocate of, don't get me wrong. Um, I think the pills are great. Like take the pills if you need to take the pills. But I would also say... These are antidepressants. Yeah. Antidepressants, yeah. yeah. But I would also say um, they need to be in conjunction with with other forms of therapy as well because um, what happened very clearly with me in that first instance was that I recovered physically and I thought I'd recovered mentally because the chemicals in my brain had sort of evened out. But the trauma of, of it and the... I'd had a very traumatic birth and I'd also... The trauma of 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 those early months not being what I thought they were going to be and the yeah. thought that I'd sort of lost that and then lost that time stayed with me and and sort of haunted me actually and still to this day in some respects and I've worked through it a lot now but I still get haunted by that sometimes when I look back over that time. Um, it's so precious isn't it and and you must feel like it robbed you of a moment that you had been led to believe was going to be amongst the most glorious of your life. Yeah absolutely and and I think um I, you know, you, you just you just want it to be picture perfect. So we all, we you know, yeah. we've got this. And I, I particularly, I suppose, um, have always been somebody who is is slightly too driven to kind of be a perfectionist. And I thought, oh, you know, I was going to be that mother, that mother who's got it all sorted, that can do everything, that can work, that can be the mum, that can do. And and when it was very evident that I was not going to be that, it was it was hard and also just yeah just the sort of loss of those early months to 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 this illness actually um you know I do look back at those times I can see it in my eyes I can see the pictures from those times yeah. and, and you know I was still there I was still there I was still 
looking after my baby, loving my baby, obsessively loving my baby, actually, really. Um, but I was I was sort of broken inside and it took me a long time to to recover that. But but the second time round, um, I, I, of course, I, I did still take medication, but I had it. I took it in conjunction with with talking therapy and I talked yeah. it through and I. And 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 that's that's the secret, and that's why I now talk about it so much, and I can talk about mm. it so much. There would have been a time when I wouldn't have been able to talk about this without sobbing, and I can talk about it now because because it's such it's so freeing to speak the truth about things. Well, if you keep it if you keep it quiet and you don't share it, a you're not working it out for yourself, and b it becomes like a shame, and there is no yeah. shame yeah. in mental health. No, and and feeling like. Um, you're on the floor, you know, if yeah. you are literally like a zombie on the sofa. Um, yeah. There is no shame attached to that. Well, it, there is really no shame and there shouldn't through. be any shame. And and I think and I think we've moved on so much. And I see, yeah. you know, now that the support that's out there for women, I see actually even just, I know social media gets a battering at times for, you know, and sometimes for good reason. But but actually there are support networks on the social media that are like lifelines for women as well. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it, I think it has and is changing, but, but the advice I got 12 years ago when, you know, when faced with this complete wall of uncertainty and, and I was, you know, go for a jog and read a book and don't you love your child? That's what I was asked. You know, that's, that's what I was faced with. And, and, you know, now I think back to that and I think what an, what an awful insensitive thing to say. And I'm sure, you know, I'm sure those experiences still sometimes happen, but I, I think it's, I think it's changing. Um, thank goodness. And I think and, conversations and yeah, we just, like this really help to do, I, they to move do. the dial on that. Yeah. Absolutely. If I'd been able to sit there 12 years ago and listen to this sort of a conversation, it would have been such a relief to know that, you know there are other people out there, and one in five women will have maternal mental illness after during pregnancy or after birth. So there are a lot of women, and you know, and I see it with you as well. I see it with you and your amazing um, friends and groups of women who are now being so vocal about the menopause and talk. Yeah. That's another that's another sort of milestone in in the sort of history of women that we have to sort of overcome. That we it's okay to talk we about to. it. We can, we need to talk about these things as women. These huge events in our lives that happen that we'll all oh. experience. And it's amazing. And it is a it's a major event you guys in your life, as, well. is, as is having a baby. Um, and you're right. I think it's so much of it is, like you said, information is power. Just that stat you gave there, one in five women will struggle mm. with their mental yeah. health after having a baby. Um, I, I believe one in four pregnancies will end in miscarriage. Nobody tells us this stuff. So yeah. we skip into these experiences, these huge chapters in life, with some sort of Disney idea about what they're going to play out like. And it kind and of... the shock to the system when it happens. You've had no prior knowledge or warning. Yeah. And, it, and again, I feel I remember... furious that I don't, didn't know about the menopause and that I wasn't repair, prepared for it. Of course. I, I felt absolutely livid. And now I walk around like some sort of woman with a sandwich board on my head telling everyone about it. And that's boring for people, you know. Uh, in, well, unless it's not you're going boring for it, people. It's, it's not. Then it's everything. And it's wonderful. And, you know... I, and and I'm the same, you know. Given any opportunity, there I am talking about maternal mental illness. It's I just I just feel like it, we just have to open up these conversations continuously, mm. and then you know the next generation of young women coming forward won't have. They will still have battles, no doubt, but they won't have to to fight the shame and the guilt that that, that a lot of the women that have come before have had to fight. And um, it's just it's just so important. It really is. Well, thank you for 
for talking that th- that through with us because I know oh. I know without even um, with with no with every fiber of my being that that would be hugely helpful to so many listeners. So thanks, Zoe. Oh, Are you ready for your next one? Yes. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. You discovered a genuine passion for acting as a young child <laughs> after your neighbours introduced you to amateur dramatics. And when you sat down and explained to your parents that you were going to turn down an offer from York University to read English, instead to take place at drama school, your mum gave you a very sound piece of advice. She said, never have a plan B. She told you stick to plan A because if you have a plan B, you'll ultimately fall back on it. So how and when has that advice served you well? And what other wise words of wisdom have been passed down to you that have proved to be just as valuable? Isn't that brilliant? I, I still love that so much. And I still and I still um, go back to that. And funnily enough, even the other day, I was um, a friend of mine's a teacher and she asked me to do a Zoom with her drama students. And, and I sat there with them and, you know, I feel... I, I can't believe I've been doing this for 20 years because I still feel the same age as those drama students. And so, I was, <laughs> and then as I was talking, I was I was thinking, oh, yeah, I, I do have something to say about this. I do have experience. I do have um, knowledge to impart. And I, and I gave them that exact advice that, um, that in my experience, it's not always useful to have a plan B. And I know yeah. that goes against the grain a little bit. I think a lot of people, especially when their children are, looking to go into the arts or in that sort of creative business, there's an instinct as a parent to worry about that because it does seem, well, we're fed the belief that that it's an unstable profession. Which it is. Which it is. But I would argue that most professions these days are unstable. (laughs) I mean, show me a job for life and I'll show you a unicorn. (laughs) Well, exactly. So, you know, so I think more than ever, actually, even more than when, you know, when I was at school, 
certainly no one was encouraging it was encouraging me to be an actor um all of my teachers were saying you know do that as a as a sideline do that in your amateur dramatics company but you know get yourself a degree and and I'm sure had I did, had I gone to York and studied English I'm sure I would have had a wonderful time but I still would have wanted to be an actress yeah and I would have just been a bit further down the line and and also I didn't really know any other way of getting into the industry other than going to drama school because you know no one really in my family is is a part of that world so the fact that my mum did turn around against all odds really to say go for it like I want you to go for plan A all the way was such a gift it's such a gift as a child to be told that and um and it really is isn't it because it it, says I believe in you and also you know if it doesn't work out come home we'll reconfigure because because we're we're your fallback position yeah. You know, like you don't need to fall back on anything else because we're here for you and there will always be some another route. But we should always aim for plan A, you know. And so even to this day, you know, sometimes uh, when I'm chatting to mum and, you know, who, by the way, is the wisest woman that I've ever met, um, she will still say, are we on Are we on plan A? And I'm like, yeah, we're on plan A. <laughs> oh, and, so that really had that, that, that one piece of, comfort, of, of advice has really, really stayed with A, you both, and B, also you're now paying it forward to a whole breed of new up-and-coming aspiring actors. Yeah, and and of That's course nice. to my own children because, you know, yeah. there's nothing... I love what I do. I'm sure you love what you do. I do. Most people I meet in our industry love what they do. That's such a precious thing. And it's a privilege because that's not the case for everybody. It, it really absolutely isn't. isn't. And so, you know, and obviously... Is it, people have different routes in, and and it's not easy for everybody. And we have to work harder to make sure those channels are open to absolutely everybody. But I, who am I not to then pass that gift on to my yeah. children? You know, I have to. And so, you know, I, I think there's also this sort of slightly funny sensibility sometimes where people say to me, with you know, regards to my children, like, oh, you know, two actors as parents, are you worried that they're going to want to go into the profession? And I'm like, I'm not worried at all. You know, I'm at, if that's what they want to do, I'm with them every step of the way because huh. I love it I love it if you know yes there's insecurity yes there are times challenging times but you know that's true of any profession that you're in um so yes that that was a wonderful wonderful valuable piece of advice that I definitely stuck to and you know should I ever win a BAFTA that'll be in my BAFTA speech good <laughs> that's, that, that's, uh. <laughs> that's when I'm pretending in the in the bathroom mirror with my shampoo bottle that's what I <laughs> that's what I'm saying to all those people who never gave me a job <laughs> I stuck to plan A um, yeah, <laughs> that's brilliant, Zoe. Um, I'm trying to think of other other words of wisdom that I stick by. I think, um, I think, I re- I think I'm saying it right. I think one of the things I remember um, the wonderful Michelle Obama saying was that we can have it all, but just not all at once. And I think, yeah, that speaks volumes <laughs> to me. Again, I think you know. I was probably slightly naive um, growing up in the sort of or sort of being a teenager in the 90s and the early 2000s thinking, I'm going to do it all. I'm going to be a mother. I'm going to be a career woman. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that. And of course, all those things, I am all of those things. But they all, you know, sometimes those things happened in stages. And it is yeah. very, very, I think the pressure for the juggle is still very real. And I think that pressure on women to have it all is still really, really intense. And um and I think that's that's a better version of it. That you can have it all, but just perhaps not all at once. I think um, that's that's a, a good thing to remind yourself sometimes. 
I think so as well. Yeah, absolutely right. Not all of the time, even if you're the first lady. Even if you're the first lady, there you go. I mean, it doesn't get much better. (laughs) Before we move on from this, there was um, something whispered in your ear by the legendary Lauren Bacall. But less advice, I suppose, but certainly um, a a cause to sit and reflect and think uh, on very wise words from a much older lady at the time. She said, uh, at the end of a take, I think it was, did she lean in and say to you, I'd give anything to be where you are now. Oh, yeah, and that gives you me say to her, it was, a, it was a scene, wasn't it? And you say to yeah. her, where's that at? And she says, at the beginning. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And that has always stayed with me. And um, yeah, she was an incredible woman to meet because not only, obviously, she's such a, a legend in, in the acting world and, and in the world, um, but she was such a fearsome woman I mean she when I worked with her she was probably in her 80s and she it was an extraordinary job she was on it um Angelica Houston was also in it and Angelica Houston was her goddaughter and what was yeah so Angelica Houston was her goddaughter there's also Terence in in actual real life in real life yeah Angelica Houston's Lauren Cole's goddaughter so they had this incredible um, bond and loved each other, and but also sort of told each other off constantly. I mean, Lauren did not; um, she did not shy away from a, a bit of a fight. I mean, she knew that woman knew what she wanted, and she made sure everyone else knew it as well. Um, so she was quite she was quite intimidating as a figure, and, and she was she took her time, she took her space. She would arrive on set every day, and she was. Um, she was obsessed with listening to the music of, um, she'd just been to see Hugh Jackman in Oklahoma on Broadway and she was listening to the soundtrack on repeat and so she had her earphones in and before we could even start any scene, she would go round to every member of the crew and cast and make them listen to a little bit of Oklahoma on her, on her <laughs> earphones. And then, and then she Why? also... Just because she, that, because she was enjoying it and she wanted everyone else to enjoy it, oh. I think. Um, and also she just got to a stage in her career where she was like, this is where I'm at. This is who I am, you know, and before I'm going to get down to work, I'm going to listen to a bit of Oklahoma. You should too. Um, (laughs) and uh, yeah, she was brilliant and she was, but she was terrifying as well. I mean, you would not have crossed her and I was young. I was in my early twenties and, you know, so bowled over by her, but yes, but that moment, um, her sort of turning around and saying, I I'd give anything to be where you are now, um, at the beginning was Sent chills down my spine because, of course, I was at the beginning and she was at, uh, towards the end of her her career and and um, and and it goes so quickly. You know, here I am now, twenty years down the line from yeah. that moment, and um, talking to sort of the next generation coming up, and and you do have to remember that feeling, that feeling of what it was like to be at the beginning, and I think that's what she meant. I think she still did. I think she still remembered what it was like to be at the beginning. And she could, and that was in her bones. That was in her listening to Oklahoma. She loved it. She had that youthful vibrancy still. And um, and it's so important to try and keep hold of that somehow. <laughs> it really is, isn't it? If we could bottle it, I'd drink it forever. I know, of course, yeah. It's all those kind of, you know, it's like first falling in love. It's, it's first starting out and everything. You're not cynical then. You're just full of hope and... And great guts, actually, because yeah. with youth comes bravery. That's it. And it is. And I think that's the same with 
I still find with acting, you know, I still, I still, I still get nervous. I, and I, I'm so pleased when I start a job and I go, oh, I feel nervous because it means that I still care about it. It means that I still want to do it. It means that I still have that same little buzz that I got, you know, on day one on that first job out straight out of drama school. And and I hope I never lose that because if I do, then, you know, it'll be time to do something different. But um, I can't see that going any, any day well, that soon. that takes me very nicely to my third and final question for okay. you. Okay. You share um, a, a common bond with one of our previous guests, Luke Evans, who, like you, dared to be brave and pushy when it came to securing a role that went on to kind of change everything. You both wrote letters to casting directors telling them that you were the <laughs> only person for the role that they were looking <laughs> to fill. And in your case, it was your very first role straight out of drama school. Yeah. Um, and you said previously there was an arrogance attached to the way that I got that job. I wrote to the casting director saying, I am Nell Gwynn. You must <laughs> cast me in this film. You'd be mad not to. I know. Yeah. So... I mean, I love that because Luke did exactly the same. He was about to quit acting. He'd done 10 years in musical theatre, wanted to play a straight role so he could progress his career from theatre to the screen and just thought, I've got nothing to lose. And it changed everything, as did that for yeah. you. I mean, that, that, was, that was your first step on the ladder. Yeah. So when else have you dared to be as bold and how else has, has, it, has it played out for you when you have? Um. Well, it, yeah, that was such a gutsy move, wasn't it? And I didn't. Did, and I didn't even. Would you do it now? I don't know. I possibly. I think there is that Shit. little sort of gutsy girl still in there, you know, waiting to get Lauren out of all times. Lauren McCall Lauren. Oh, without question of a doubt, Lauren McCall Yeah, maybe I would. I think perhaps, perhaps, yeah. With with age, you 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 do become a little bit more reserved and a little bit more cynical. Um, I I, I think. I, with with that particular moment, there was a sort of naivety. Um, but I didn't really know how the industry worked. I was still at drama school. I didn't know how anything worked. I didn't know about cars and directors. I didn't know about films. I didn't know, you know, there was so much sort of, I was so wide-eyed to everything. Um, and, and you know, and I look back now and, and even I think um, there's a DVD um, some, a friend of mine recently actually said, oh, I, I watched Stage Beauty the other day. And a part of me goes, oh, God, did you? Goodness me, what's in that? And she said, there's a brilliant, oh, I shouldn't even say this, please don't look it up, but there's a brilliant DVD um, extra moment where um, where you're just sort of rabbiting on about how excited you are to be on set. And and I was, I was like this, un, I, could, I thought I'd won the lottery. I was so excited, but... Apparently, in this in this interview that I'm having on this sort of DVD extra, I'm just like just brimming with enthusiasm, excitement, and just you know overflowing with it all through every Claire Danes. And I had a fruit bowl in my trailer, and my trailer, I've got a trailer. You know, just too much. It's just it's like just a so, competition winner. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and That's it was such. Funny. It was brilliant, and 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 you know, and also kind of it, it was a, such a, a sort of example of what the industry was going to do sort of down the line because at the same time as I was doing that film I was also still working um my part-time job in a in a restaurant so I would go I'd get picked up in a car and then I would be taken to the film set and then I'd finish my 
12 hour day and then come back and put my uniform on and go and work in the restaurant in the evening. I mean, I wouldn't do that now because I'd be exhausted. I can barely keep my eyes open past 10 o'clock. But um, but yeah, Honestly, I Zoe, think you've got so much in common with, with Luke Evans because he would do exactly the same. He had, he you know, he was doing um, a West End show, but also to get the money up to go and do pilot season in Los Angeles was working the door at night at the Shadow Lounge. So he was huh? a bouncer till like 4am. So he'd come off stage at half 10, wow, get really there hard. for 11, start his shift. But that was to save up the money to get out to Los Angeles to go and meet casting directors. and So yeah, you share, you know, oh, so isn't many. Isn't that wonderful though? Isn't it wonderful that he did that and then now look at him? I mean, it's just, I, it's just. And look at you. Yeah, well, I think, I do, I do feel like, you know, you have to be bold in life. You do sometimes. And so when you ask me, would I do that again? I, I hope I would. I mean, I perhaps wouldn't do it in quite the sort of wide-eyed way I did it before, but I hope I still have that in me. Um, and I suppose I do in a sort of slightly more cerebral way because um, one thing I've done recently, which is I feel that's sort of akin to that, is um, that during lockdown, I've always written, but I've never really thought that I would that would be a sort of string to my bow in, in, in a professional context. And then during lockdown, when obviously in those early days when we didn't know if we were ever going to have um, a career again. And as as a two-actor household, that we were like, what all, What can you do? Gotcha. <laughs> I can't do anything else. Um, <laughs> was it really that conversation? <laughs> it was, can, it was can, like, yeah, okay. can, can you, can you can mow lawns? Like, can, what can you do? Um, <laughs> so, so I, I, you know, I had been writing and, and I thought, well, maybe I need to be to brave and actually show somebody my writing. And, um, and I had actually, when I was doing the one that Netflix thing you spoke about, um, I'd, I'd had wonderful train journeys, and this is why I also love train journeys because I had two young children at home. I was commuting um, during the week from London to Wales, and I just felt like I've got to use every single moment of my time productively. You know, pressure, pressure. And I would sit on the train, and I would, I would, I wanted to write about my um, my grandmother's upbringing in Grimsby during the 1950s, um, during the um, when when Grimsby of all places was a sort of um, a, hot, a really thriving, glamorous hotspot, and and fueled by the incredible fishing industry that they had. Um, and and so I is that I had right? Grimsby was, was yeah, a go to yeah destination. Julie Andrews, Frank Sinatra sang there. It was it was it was a thriving hub of life, and it, you would I mean, no offense to Grimsby now, but it's not quite the same anymore. No. And um and it and which and is I, a real shame because when you go to that part of the world, especially like Hull, for example, there's some beautiful buildings there. Yeah. You can see that. Yeah, it was once dazzlingly beautiful. Yeah, yeah, and you know the industry there unfortunately has has really suffered and. And um, but yeah, I was always fascinated by that era, and particularly sort of my grandmother's era. And my grandmother was a wonderful woman who I had a very close bond with. And and I, what I loved about it particularly was that this sort of these dual lives that the women led, because um, they would most of their lives were spent with other women because their men would be at sea fishing. And so they had these incredible communities of women around them that they helped each other, support each other, did all the jobs that the men did. And then for three days of, you know, they were called the three-day millionaires, the fishermen then, because they used to make loads of money, but they'd only come to shore for three days every 12 weeks. 
And for three days, every 12 weeks, they'd come home and these women would dress themselves like Marilyn Monroe and they would go out on the tiles and they'd spend this money and they'd have these incredible wild times with their husbands. And and then the men would go off to sea and it would be roll your sleeves up and get back to work again. And and when I... Fascinating. Yeah, fascinating. And what happened during lockdown for me was that I... um, I'd, I'd always had that in my mind as something I wanted to write about, and I'd been researching it on my train journeys um, to Wales during the during the one. And then what I also did, as we as a lot of us did, is is you know watched everything on television during lockdown. And I had never watched Peaky Blinders, and I I watched it from the beginning all the way through to the end, and thought, why have I never seen this before? Because it's utterly wonderful. Um, but what I also thought as I was watching it was, I'd never seen women depicted like that on screen. I've never seen those bold, feisty female version of Peaky Blinders on our screen. That's what I want to be in. That's what I'm going to write. I'm going to write that. I'm going to be, I'm going to get that little sort of Nell Gwynn part of me and go, I'm going to do that. I can be that. I'm going to do it. So I started writing and I wrote this script. um, And I, and, but I was in my house, homeschooling children, writing whenever I could. And I I was terrified about showing it to anybody. But again, that little sort of voice inside my head went, you know, be bold, be brave. And I sent it off to um, a literary agent and immediately they took me on. They um, they took me on and said, we love it. We absolutely love it. We're going to represent you. And from there on in, I'm now sort of forging this other path as a as a writer. Well, and I've been um, I've got it. I'm in development with a project right now with a wonderful production company. I still haven't quite got my um, fishing drama off the ground yet but it's it's in my back pocket and it will be made I I feel certain of that at some stage but um but yeah that that took that was that took guts for me to do that um because it was a yeah it was a it was a different sort of path for me because I only ever thought I'm going to be an actress and that's all I want to do and and actually I found something that I genuinely have just as much passion for and and that's that's kind of amazing Congratulations. Look at you. you. <laughs> knocking it out of the park. Homeschooling, doing Richie Swan's oh, classes. I'm not sure I was knocking it out of the park in... with homeschooling. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> no, but you had a lot going on at that time and you managed out of, you know, out of a really difficult time. You know, like you say, you're a two-actor household. It must have been a genuine worry that, well, actually, you know, how, how are we going to feed the children? Yeah. Because we didn't know when we were going to go back to work, and you guys were the last back, really, yeah. amongst the last. Yeah. Well, we had. I think. I think both of us didn't really work for a year, um, and then and then I got a job, and then actually Grace started um, during a lockdown. I think I was doing. We were doing Grace um, still while while it was sort of the tricky COVID time. So so yeah, it did all come back. But actually, you know, how wonderful to have kind of gained something else, confidence in another sort of area since. And and you know, and that has that has been such a drive for me, you know, ever since. So it's uh, it has been, yeah, it's been good. Been good. Oh, carry on being brave and gutsy. (laughs) I think you do it so well. I mean that first letter you wrote, just just to give people a an idea of how effective it was. You graduated drama school on the Friday and started shooting that movie on something like the Monday, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was extraordinary. It was, it was, it, it yes. was, it was because of that letter. It, it was very annoying, I think, for the rest of my um, my year. <laughs> I, I think they were, hang on, how did you manage that? Um, but yeah, it it was. Well, it some was, of them have gone on to do all right for themselves. You had Andrew Garfield in your yes, year, didn't you? Spider Man was 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 uh, was one of our <laughs> fellow. <laughs> Team players, but you yes, beat him out the trap. Okay. So. He's done okay. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, no, it was it was it was really magical. Actually, I do I I don't often sort of think about that job these days. Although I I was watching Claire Danes in Fleischman is in trouble. I don't know if you've seen that recently. It's That's on, the book it's... I'm reading at the moment, so I don't want to watch it until I've read the books. The book's really good. The book's is wonderful, good? and the book's wonderful, and she is wonderful. And and the adaptation has also been written by the same writer who wrote the book, and um and it's. Absolutely brilliant! It's a re- it's. I think you'll love it if you if you're enjoying the book, you'll love the adaptation, the TV adaptation. Does she play Rachel? Yes, yes, yeah. I mean, I'm 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 only. It depends where you're at. Well, I know. Okay, at the moment, I really can't say anything because there's a huge twist that you that you won't see coming, and I don't want to spoil it for you. Oh. I can't wait for this train journey later. That's the big fat <laughs> yes. book I'm going to no, read. You do have to read your book. Yeah, you have to. You have to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, literally, you think about it, those first few jobs, you're playing opposite Rupert Everett with Billy Crudup, Claire Danes. Pretty much the next job after that, Lauren Bacall, Angelica Easton. And, I know. and actually, it takes great guts and bravery to hold your own on a set like that when you're literally about to go and do a shift in the evening as a waitress. Well, it does and it doesn't. You know, you also have like just that sort of youthful ignorance, yeah. you know, just going, of course I'm going to come straight out of drama school and be straight onto a film set. You know, there, there was something so sort of naive about it. But um, I, I do remember kind of massive sort of moments of of sort of, it was just being so surreal. I remember sitting... Um, one of the scenes, I had to dress up as King Charles II. So Rupert ever played King Charles II, I was his mistress, Nell Gwynne. And I had to dress as King Charles and he had to dress as Nell Gwynne. And we were sitting on our thrones um, on, you know, some incredible set in Shepparton Studios. And um, and there's hundreds of supporting artists everywhere. We were watching Claire Danes and Billy Crudup um, reenacting Othello on the stage in front of us. And, <laughs> and Rupert Everett and I were just sat there looking at everybody and we were playing um, Snog, Marry, Kill. You know that game? <laughs> or oh, Snog, Marry, Avoid, whichever one it is. And, and we were just literally like, sat there kind of in all of our costumes, <laughs> me and my moustache and my great big wig, like going, yeah, snog him, marry him. It's just like, it's just like so funny and so surreal. Um, but it, yeah, it was what a wonderful start. To, to a career and um, yeah I'm very very grateful for it it's wonderful oh well continued success in all that you do I will of Thank course you. see you back in Rich's Kitchen 10am Monday morning I will absolutely be there <laughs> but in, but I do hope that we get to actually look each other in the eye and not through a screen I know um, and meet one day let's let's you know what let's make it happen should we take Rich out for dinner you're, you're, let's take Rich out and you're also I live very Julie close Graham, to where you were born yeah did you know Jules as well I well, Julie, I don't know if we've got time to keep talking, but I, Julie, I should, I should say this here because oh, you I hadn't survived us with Julie. Well, I've worked with Julie twice, actually. I did. Julie has had more of an impact on me as an actress than I think she realises because I haven't seen Julie for a long time. But and I and I probably should say this to her face rather than on a podcast. But when I first met Julie, um, we worked on a Miss Marple together, and she had just had her second daughter. Sid, who's Sid, just turned 17. He's just turned 17. Can't believe it. And I remember as a, you know, a young actress in my 20s, sort of getting up really early in the morning to go into, you know, to period costume drama, to go into makeup very early, to have my hair done, all the rest of it. And I remember walking into the makeup bus and seeing Julie sat there with her baby on her lap, breastfeeding. She had a copy of The Guardian in the other hand. She was regaling the makeup team with an incredible story and kind of putting the world to rights. And I remember kind of like 
sort of sliding into my seat next to her and like looking at her. I didn't know her at all. I was on my first day and, and just thinking, who is this magnificent woman? And how do I get to be like her? <laughs> and, oh. and I just, I remember that so clearly. And then I had the, the, you know, the good fortune to work with her again on Survivors for two series of that. And she just, she's just, um, well, you know her and love her. So I don't need to tell you, but she's just a, such a remarkable woman. She's such a strong, fierce advocate of other women. She really and is. the way she sort of, she cares about people so deeply. And I remember that kind of vibe that she had on set that she's got her eye on everybody and she's got everybody's back. And I thought, yes, that's what I'm going to do. That's if, you know, if I get to be, you know, as sort of successful as she is, I'm going to make sure that I'm that person for everybody as well. And, and you know, so she she really is a, a huge role model to me. And I, yeah, I'm glad I've got the, the forum to say that, but I should definitely try and meet, meet up and say it to her face as well. <laughs> you Well, you know what? She lives in Brighton. so I know she does. Excuses. I know I've got no excuse. Next, the next series uh, starts next week. Or... She does listen to White One Question Time. By the way, everything you said about Jules, I endorse 100,000 times over. Yeah. She is quite the force. She is. And she has the talent and the intelligence and the empathy um, to be so many things to so many people. And she manages to do it all whilst raising two incredible young women on her own you yeah. know well she, she had done at that time i will make sure that jules knows that we've had this conversation as well um i will send her this episode and i will sure see her when i start filming in brighton again this year because i'm back down there in april so i'll have to oh, meet so up with grace her. continues yes yeah, we are starting four. season four in april yeah really soon Blimey. so um yeah it's it's i think there's there's like 19 books peter jones has written so you know fingers crossed if everyone keeps watching i'll be going to brighton for a Sometime yet. <laughs> well, yeah, and also you'll know where your character, uh, well, how she plays out, right? Because he's written the books already. It's not like one of those awful moments where you sit there and go, "Please, I God, know. don't well, let me be is, dead in this script." She is in all nineteen books, so um, fingers crossed they don't sort of <laughs> decide to elbow me at any any given opportunity. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so thank you. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you. And Grace is back. You can catch it on ITV One but also on ITVX. Stream the lot, binge it, don't leave the house. That's what I did. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure talking to you. A huge thank you to Zoe. And don't forget, if you want to catch up on Grace, you can catch all previous episodes on ITVX where it's streaming and new episodes are dropping on ITV1 and ITVX any day now. And of course, if you want to hear more great chat with outstanding actors... You came to the right place. Get scrolling through that back catalogue. Luke Evans is in there, Mark Bonner, Julie Graham, Ralph Little, Hannah Waddingham, Alan Cumming, Jason Fleming, Griff Rhys-Jones, and so many more. And if Zoe's conversation around postnatal depression uh, resonated with you and you'd like to hear more episodes where we discuss that in great detail, then Kate Lawler's episode and Denise Welsh's are also available. My thanks to you, as always, for listening in to Maria Nibs and the Yahoo Studios team who produced the show with me. Editing is by Eleanor Humphrey, and our music comes courtesy of Andy Bell. I'll be back next Friday with more great guests. Until then, thank you for your company. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.